Hi there, I'm Jay Comfrey. Welcome to the Premier League Tonight podcast. The Premier League's Best Debate Show is now available as the Premier League's Best Podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Acast and wherever else you get your podcasts from. It was another busy show with Manchester United looking for revenge against Huddersfield and a big day at the bottom of the table. Meanwhile, Arsenal welcomed Theo Walcott back to the Emirates. Stephen Gerrard, Martin Keown and Robbie Savage join me to discuss all the big issues. So without further ado, let's get on with it. Enjoy. Take a look at the headlines to start with. It's been a busy old day in the Premier League and some big news as well. Saints salvation finally. Southampton pick up the win that they needed. But how much their manager Maurizio Pellegrino needed it as well. Their first win since November gives them a little bit of salvation. He may have missed a penalty but he scored from the rebound. So Sanchez was spot on today for Manchester United. Uh, used to play here of course. Now he's a few miles north delivering for Manchester United and City sub-par. We shall talk in detail actually in just a couple of moments about Pep Guardiola and the decisions that he made today. It wasn't a good day for Manchester City. They dropped points for just the fourth time this season in the Premier League. We'll hear from him in a moment, Pep. But first, here's a City fan, Walter Smith. Just apart from the game today, Manchester City won, Burnley won. Uh, ultimately, a little bit disappointed with the result, but fair play to Burnley. They pushed us more than most teams have done this season. Pep Guardiola seems to be a bit confused with his substitutes and didn't name as many as he could. Can't say I blame him after some of the absolute horror tackles that have gone in unpunished against Manchester City players this year. Deli Alley, I'm looking at you. Harry Kane, I'm looking at you. Disgusting. Maybe the FA should look into that. They are, they are injured, so... some. They would like to have 18 players, having 17, because the other ones I could call one of the second team, but they play a game yesterday, I think so, in the last moment. But the others is, uh, are injured, that's why you have just 16 players. Look, it's fair to say there wasn't much sympathy for Pep Guardiola not having enough players to, to put someone on the bench. And yes, the under-23s did play last night for City, but that seat on the Manchester City bench is surely one of the most valuable seats in world football. You get to see a team talk from Pep, you get to be five yards away from him while he's posturing on the touchline, telling his players what to do. You get the experience of a first-team game. And even if they played last night, surely every single one of those under-23s or youth team players or reserve players would have done whatever they can to get there and be in that seat and be there. Well, the 23s would have had five substitutions, I should imagine, and you can only use three of them. So two of them subs would have been unused. So he could have used one of them. He could have used one of the subs that come on who hasn't played the full game. He's sending a message out. He's sending a message out to say that he's not happy with the level of aggressive, how aggressive some of the titles have been on his team. That's what he's doing. But I think he's denied an opportunity to a young kid to get probably the experience of a lifetime. 100%. To be around those... Uh, what, are, what are really outstanding players, the way the manager is, how he behaves, the preparation, they're missing out on some of the development there. There's a lot of young kids that would have, uh, you know, would have loved to have been sat amongst those stars, sat on the bench and just been involved in building for the future. It's also a message, isn't it, to the entire academy. The, the player, you can even pick a player that isn't going to come on and play, but it just puts the message out there to all the young lads in the City Academy that there is a route to the first team here. Yeah, well, you know, I'm sure when we were growing up, me more so than probably Stephen and Martin, that, you know, I was 17th man at times when there was five subs in the Premier League and you'd go on the bus with the first team, you'd make the tea, you'd be like running around doing their boots. And to be 17th man, to get the experience at Leicester City, just seeing, to being involved was an amazing experience. Then I had my opportunity on the bench, then got in the first team. So what a great thing would have been for a youngster to, as you said, to see what happens in the first team environment. Surely you can, you can get 18 players. You know, on the opposite side of that, if that was a team in the lower half of the table who, who 
put six subs out with a lesser squad, would people be making such a fuss? Is it because it's Man City? They, they, they have message at their training. We go to their wonderful training ground. They have like mm. a stepping stone to the first team. They have a, basically a stadium for each team to play on before they can get to. That's their vision. Well, someone really should be looking careful at that because they've got to put somebody, they've got to fill that position on the bench. They're denying someone an opportunity. Yeah. There's enough young kids within the club. To tell me they haven't got enough players... It's a wasted opportunity, It's, it's quite it? remarkable. I cannot believe that. And I, I understand your point about is it because it's Manchester City. I don't think it is. I think any Premier League team in the current climate, with the amount of money they have to spend, would get criticised for leaving an empty space. I, I agree. I mean, you know, there were teams in League Two today, Robbie. There were teams in League Two that named six totally subs agree. today. And totally if they agree. can, surely any, any Premier League side should do. What message does it put to the academy, to the youngsters at that club. You, you know, you're currently working with the under-18s well, at Liverpool. If I had been shining in the 23s or I was on the fringe, um, I'd knock on his door. I'd knock on his door and say, boss, look, you picked six subs at the weekend. I've been doing really well in the 23s. Now, he would have knew he only had that amount of subs well before the 23 game played, so he could have pulled one of them out and said, you're not playing the 23s tonight because yeah. I need you for this sub thing. So there's no excuse. For any Premier League team to name six subs in this day and age, there's no excuse. Unless there's been an illness that runs through the club and eight have got the flu, or there's been a food poison or something, there's no excuse. And it would have been reward for the player in the 23s that played the night before that might have been the best player. He's not going to get on in the first team, but he sits on the bench and he, mm. it's a part of his development being a part with the first team. And surely when you name a squad this day and age, as when we played, you, you probably named two or three extra players. And I know, I know the game, and, and it was the away game. So what if somebody would have got ill at the morning of the game? That would have been five subs on the bench. So, or two injuries in the yeah, warm-up. Correct. So where are, where are the where yeah. are the, surely in this day and age, as Stephen said, but uh, I'm only hiding the fact because it's Man City and yeah. where they are, who Pep is, more will be made of it if it was a West Brom or Watford or Southampton doing it, no? And well, look, there's very little to criticise Pep for this season. He's having a fantastic season as the football club. Yeah, but we're not criticising no. him for the, the no. job he's done. No, of course, team. absolutely, yeah. It's the manager's prerogative who he picks and how yeah. many and when we get all that but imagine being a kid Jake at that academy what are you thinking tonight are, we, are you saying you'd knock on his door after the decision he's made today if I'd been Monday flying morning? in the 23s and I felt close enough yeah, yeah. or I'd say to him oh, come on if you're not going to put me on if you're not going to put me on now when are you going to put me on and that's the attitude the young players need within the academies mm. you know they, they feel that they're aggrieved that they're not being they're embarrassed by the fact that if you're not going to get on much. with six mm. subs if you're in the 23s now, when is it going to happen? Mm. Well, if someone knocks on Pep's door tomorrow morning or Monday morning, we'll know they were watching Premier League tonight, won't we? Um, well, let, let's talk then about the, something that you mentioned, which is about the fouls. And you think he was maybe trying to make a point about the fact that City have been the victim of some horrible fouls um, in recent games. Uh, Graham Pohl is part of the team with us. Hello, Graham. Hiya, Jake. Um, th th I think there is a case to answer, isn't there, for teams going in hard against City in recent games, right? Yeah, there is. I mean, we've seen some we've seen some tackles go in. Bennett clearly stands out on Leroy Sane, which was a, which was a shocking tackle. But you know, I, I don't see that players have been fouled that much worse than than other teams. And and what do you expect? You know, City are flying. Teams aren't going to just sit back and go, oh, just 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 win then. So so I think the message Pep has done, and he, he's been successful by only playing six on the bench. Is we're talking about it. He's highlighted the fact that he thinks refs aren't protecting his skillful players enough. Uh, I don't agree with him, but he's made that point. But I have to agree with the panel there that uh, he's, he's lost an opportunity because the referees will not change their approach based on the fact that Pep's complaining. 
Yeah, I slightly disagree with Graham there to a point because I've seen some horrendous challenges consistently on Man City players. Kane, I believe, should have got a red card at the Etihad. Um, Deli Ali should have got a red card at the Etihad. Punchin should have got a red card when he, he fouled Kevin De Bruyne. Bennett, as we've seen. I, um, was it Diaz, Phillips on, on, on him the other night? These are shocking challenges. That's five I can name off the top made, so I slightly disagree there. I think those fouls have been exceptional. That was a horror challenge, wasn't it, that one? I mean, the, the stats are that Man City are the 12th most foul team in the Premier League, but that doesn't actually tell us the fouls that are causing serious damage to players. This is an interesting quote from Sean Dyche, speaking on Friday. There's less malice in the game compared to when I was playing, he says. There is way less physical contact. They get protection for the oddest things. They get protection if someone touches them on the shoulder. What else do you want? What, what do you make of that, uh, Graham? That was in response to the claims from Manchester City that the players are being targeted. I think that's a response from the manager who's playing Man City next time to say we're not going to change our approach because Pep's complaining we're not all going to change and, and dance to his tune and you know that, that, that's what I look at you know you can you can look at a number of fouls of course you can but but I, I just think the one thing that, that you miss is whether a referee sends the player off for the foul or not the injury is still caused so so had Bennett been sent off last week. Um, Leroy Sane would still be out for five or six weeks. Mm. It, it doesn't actually save the injury. It, it just gets the correct punishment. Uh, well, do you think that referees are going to change the way they referee City games in the next few next few weeks because of all these stories that no, are rolling not around? Not at all. Not at all. Because you shouldn't. You shouldn't have special treatment for one team or a different team. You go out to referee each incident on its merits. You have to be aware if there's one player which the team, the opponent's team are picking on, you need to be aware that he's getting fouled time and time again. You know, if a player fouls four times, you, book, you caution him for persistent infringement. So if uh, an opponent is fouled five times by five different players, you, you caution the fifth player to foul him for team fouling because they're picking on a particular player. That's what you're aware of. But you don't go out thinking, oh, I've got Manchester City today, I better be careful, I better look out for red card tackles. I think Guardiola was saying, wasn't he, that the, the artists, the, the, the top, top players, they need to be protected. And, and you have to agree, some of these tackles were completely yeah. out of over the top. Pardew, for the next match, West Bromwich Brown reacts in a way that he thinks, OK, is he aiming that at us because we're playing them next? And we want to make sure, you know, he's maybe we've got a physical team. So he feels that the referee is going to be influenced a little bit towards, towards City. I don't believe that Guardiola was doing that. I think he just genuinely wants to win four trophies and he can't do it if his artists are going to not be available to play. OK, thanks, Martin. Uh, Graham, thank you very much as well for all your hard work for us today loads of conversation on social media about the things we've been talking about. Let me just run for you, uh, a few of your thoughts. Andy Stock says, you can now understand why Jordan Sancho went to Dortmund from City. It was a chance to play. Um, Tom Donaghy, amongst all the criticism on City's academy, Diaz is an academy player and he came off the bench today. Um, C. Horan, Pep did something every single City fan would criticise Jose for. No excuse for naming six subs. Uh, Darren Chatham said, look what happened to a certain Marcus Rashford when United didn't have enough players. Remember that? Martial broke down in the warm-up as we were talking about and that gave Rashford his chance Ashley Chapman says it's not that simple you don't play a youngster if you feel they aren't ready it would knock their confidence or even lead Jake, to we're them not saying hurt. play them yeah we're not saying the kid has to come on the bench and play we're talking about an experience to get next to the first team and what will that give that kid confidence wise going into his next training session Absolutely. we're not saying he has to play 
it just feels like a waste of an opportunity, doesn't it? That that's that's all we're sat there today at Burnley, completely empty, and someone, somewhere in that City Academy, just could have had the chance of a lifetime to see Pep at work. Um, lots of comments coming in about our first part discussion. Ben Trant, who's a Stoke fan, says Gerard's passion talking about the Man City bench and academy debacle is refreshing to see. Sorry that our under-18s ruined your record on Friday. Mm, Rise smile. Uh, Cockney Spurs. I 100% agree with the guys on what they were saying about Pep only naming six subs. Promote a youth player who's worked hard and deserves a bit of recognition. And a few third match reports. Joel Sterling should have scored. Would have picked up all three points probably for City, that would. Uh, Phil Skade says, better than Wednesday. I'm guessing they're a Man United fan. And Steve Cowell, lack of investment. He supports West Ham. Right, it's time to talk Mahrez. It's time to talk Leicester. Let's hear from Jamie Thorpe, who's a Leicester fan. The Riyad Mahrez situation still rumbles on despite the transfer window being closed. He's been absent from training now three or four times and no one's really sure if it's with or without the club's permission. All we know is it's been handled really, really disappointingly. It's been the complete polar opposite to the departure of Andy King, who left after 13 years and handled it with a lot of grace. Um, if he does come back, the only puts the work in, having said that, all would be forgiven and all would be forgotten. But if he does come back and he downs tools, as has been the case with some other players over the years, then it will be a sad end to what has been a really terrific career with the club. Right, Robbie, explain to, to the guys here, to anyone at home that didn't see your column this week, what you wrote about and why you think that Leicester should have perhaps allowed Riyad Mahrez to get the move he wanted. Well, listen, Leicester don't owe Mahrez anything. You would say they got him for a good price, 400000 probably made him what he is in the Premier League. Um, you know, I believe if Mahrez was good enough, somebody else would have picked him up by Leicester. Because if you're performing well in, in the French League, somebody will pick you up because it's a good market for clubs to go into and find talent. He was certainly one. Went there for £400,000, £450,000 and performed exceptionally well. PFA Player of the Year two years ago helped them win the Premier League. Um, stayed for the Champions League campaign. And now you've got to look at from his point of view as a player. He's had an opportunity to go and play with some of the best players in the world, be coached by the, probably the best manager in the world. People will say he's got on his contract out, he's under contract, so he should get his head right and go back and perform. But it's not as easy as that sometimes. Yeah, I was in a similar situation at Birmingham Blackburn Rovers. I set my heart, my goal, my dream was to go and play for Mark Hughes. And I'd done everything I could to force that move through wrongly. You know, I've admitted on, on this show before that I had a month to get out of that football club and I was a, a disgrace. I kicked the ball away. We've been through it, but I got what I wanted. Everybody's different. Stevie might not have done that, might, might not have done that. But I, can, I was, that was my dream. It was like going to the, um, the shop, buying a lottery ticket and, and winning it. Not in terms of financial, but everything mm. I wanted. You know, I think Mario's now been in a position where he believes that £60 million where Leicester would have made 59 million quid their valuation might have been 75. So if their valuation has not been met, manager will stay, and he stayed. But what is the point of having a player there whose head's been turned, might not be in the right frame of mind? He's, he's got to go back there now. They've got to convince him to perform. But it's like he might have gone to get that lottery ticket, lost it. He'd be sitting at home now thinking, oh, I had the lottery in my pocket. Not in terms of financial, but everything. The best players in the world. Champions League football, winning trophies. And I think he's given everything to Leicester he possibly could. Performed on a weekly basis. And now is going to go back and try and perform for Leicester. Just to take you back there, Robbie, and it's not about you, but do you regret that? Forcing a move in the way you did? Because yeah. I personally feel it's a lot. You, you regret it. Well, yeah. I'm glad you've said that because I think he'll regret that. His behaviour, the way that he's been in all this period. What he's done for Leicester, of course, is without doubt. But what they've done for him, they've really put him on the map. He's a legend at that club forever for what they've achieved there. Players will never do that again. 
uh, at Leicester. And I just feel it's a bit disappointing. Uh, maybe it's an educational thing to, to disappear for two or three days. Um, the manager's Puyao is doing everything to say he's a good guy. Well, he's not completely a good guy because you don't behave like that. It, it, this day and age. He needs to come back to Leicester, get on with his football. I knew this was going to be an issue. The player had a chance, but I think in Barcelona he wanted to go to as soon as they were champions. He was persuaded to stay. I think Liverpool were interested. Arsenal have been sniffing around. He is a great talent. He's developing under Puyol. He's getting better every, every week. But now I think he's got his due. He's got to come back. He's got to get back into heel. And uh, yeah, they'll sell him. They'll sell him in the summer. And if you're a good player and you've got good quality, the big clubs will come calling so if, he go, if he goes back and performs, if he goes back then, gets his head right and performs, yes. and performs amazingly well again, what if that price goes up? Because the performance being that good, the price goes well, up. Well, it should, Their it? valuation from 75 to 100. And then they say, somebody offers 80, well, we're not going to let him go this summer. It's about him realising how good he is. Maybe he's thinking he's trying to cash in. How does that look for a club that's trying to buy him? He's in his behaviour. But the best team in the world, one of the best teams in the world at the minute once Riyad Mahrez. And for him, and as a player, Martin, he's, he's got an opportunity, he's desperate to go and, and play for Pep Guardiola. And you feel that they've allowed Drinkwater to go, they've allowed Kante to go, they've allowed Vardy Kante to have had a clause, so I accept that. And he that. thinks it's personal, but it's not personal. He's a, he's a very good player. And why should Leicester allow him to leave if they don't want to? It's testing the player. He'll get his move eventually. But while he's there, I think he needs to behave in a slightly better way than he has. You're right there, Stephen. I, I never thought I'd say it, but I'd like to hear a bit more from Robbie Savage and Ryan Keane. Quite enjoying this. You agree Do with me? Want me to get in the middle? <laughs> Jake, but I just think that for Riyad Mahrez's perspective, right? I think you both got a point. To be honest, I, I get it. Man City top move for Mahrez, the chance to work well. They all I get all that side of it, but I agree with you, Martin, as well. I think I don't like players when they're unprofessional and they start not turning in for work and disrespecting the supporters and disrespecting the club that have been good to the player as well. So there's probably you're both right on both sides of it. At the end of the day, I think Mahrez as people have got to go to Leicester and come to a sensible conclusion because at some point he's going to leave the club. I look at the Coutinho situation at Liverpool. Barcelona comes, it's a dream move. Okay. Liverpool want him to stay till the end of the season, but Coutinho thinks it might be his only opportunity. But Coutinho stayed professional. He got his people to go and speak to Liverpool, and he was a compromise, and everyone moves on in a nice way. This is just a mess now for Leicester City. Well, and I don't think they deserve back, it. He? And he's got to perform in front of his I think Leicester don't deserve yeah. the mess, I think, I think there's no. a couple of options here. As you've seen, uh, Marriage's people go to Leicester, he's got a couple of years left, and say, right, I tell you what, you know, if he comes back... If it's a ridiculous statement because that could happen, you know, he could not go turn up and he could get fined so many thousands, hundreds of thousands of pounds. Mm. But in today's game, we all know some players could go back and say, you know, I'm anxious, I'm injured. It can happen. I've seen it. You know, yeah. I've seen I've but seen people do it. Or they could say, I tell you what, we'll do. If he comes back, which is this is what could happen, and as Stevie says, let's re renegotiate his contract and have a clause in it for 50 million quid. It's refreshing, though, that, that it's all about player power nowadays, and the club have said, you know what, we'd rather have the player than the money. Clearly, he's going to go in the summer, and we'll go on our terms and not on the players. So it came so late, didn't it? In the, in the that was the, one of the big issues for Leicester, is that they actually made it clear. They said, if, if we get an offer that matches our valuation, we won't stand in the way of the player. But you've just spent 10 minutes telling us that he's a consistent player and he's a brilliant player and he's won the Premier League and you know, he's won more than Virgil van Dijk. The stats tell us that he was better than Coutinho at times over the last year and a half. 
and you end up wanting Leicester to accept less than he's worth. You said in your own column yeah, he's look, worth 75 yeah, million quid, so why should Leicester my, take less? That's their valuation. my opinion what he's worth, Jay. I don't know what Leicester value him out. Well, obviously more than 65 million, well, so there's fine. the end of the conversation, isn't it? Well, th that's up to Leicester and Riyad Mahrez, but the, the one he had an opportunity. Oh. So Sane's got injured and he might, he might be out for four or six weeks. One opportunity... Pep Guardiola at Man City might not want Riyad Mahrez in the summer. What if what if his form dips and he doesn't get an opportunity ever again as a player? As a player, not to... And I know what I think you're saying about Coutinho. Coutinho's playing for a massive football club in Liverpool. We're talking about Liverpool Football Club here to Barcelona. Leicester City won the Premier League two seasons ago. They're not going to win a trophy again, in my opinion. They play That's weak. They play. I don't think they will. They play weakened sides in the competition. Mm. They had a chance in the Carabao Cup against Man City. They play a weakened side. Yeah. Went out. They've left. They left Mares and Vardy out against Peterborough. You might say they got a win. Peterborough. I, I think one thing. What's Leicester's aim? Can I speak? Yeah. What's Leicester's I want, aim? I, I want, <laughs> one thing that I think they have done, Leicester, and they've underestimated the, the reaction of the player because he's thrown his toys completely out of the cot. And that's not good for the group that's, that exists at the club. I don't think, I think it's good for the player either because other teams they, are going to think, well, that's what type of player we could be buying. Well, let's move this on then. The three of you, between you, have played hundreds and hundreds of top-class football games. Do you see a situation where Riyad Mahrez can come back into the fold and perform for Leicester like he has previously? Can, can, can he be rehabilitated from this situation? Remember in the summer he was sitting at an airport waiting to get a move, wasn't he? That never transpired. So this isn't new. I think only the player knows that himself. But from what you've seen and what you know, he, he's capable of it. Of course, he is. He can turn up tomorrow, train well, and, and play on the weekend and play well. But the manager's making it possible for that to happen. He's yeah. saying what a good guy he is. He's, you know, the manager's Puyol is doing well. He's trying to manage it through. But if he continues to stay away from the football club, we get another week where he doesn't turn up. Um, it's, it, one only knows where it, it could end up. But he's made a case for I've got to leave this football club. I'll come back eventually. But I need to leave. One thing's what happened, Jake. The players, I believe, I'm sure that if he goes back, the players will have a laugh and a joke with him. They'll 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 have great banter with him. Mm. That's what happens in dressing rooms. So people say, well, the players might discard him. But I, they'll I, all I, be texting him anyway, yeah, won't they? Correct. I'm sure there's banter going on between them all. All his mates. I know he's lost the man. Are, are we also slightly long. blittling Leicester? Because I don't remember criticism of Southampton when they didn't allow Van Dijk to join Liverpool. I don't remember criticism of Liverpool when they said no to Coutinho getting the move the first time around and asking him to wait. You know, Leicester have stood their ground. We spend all our time saying that players have got too much power in football. Suddenly a club do something that they believe is absolutely right for their principles. And, and I'm just talking criticism. from my, a player's point yeah. of view. But you're not the only one, though. Lots of people... I had people the other day saying, oh, they should let him go for £40 million. It's like, he's a top-quality player and the numbers I mean, now it, are up here, so fairness, you've got to pay. If you look at the City situation, I mean, if they're allowed to just buy their way to success, I think it takes a bit of an edge, actually, off Guardiola's management because he, he just goes and buys another player. As soon as he gets another one injured, that's not good for the Premier League and I think what they've done City uh, Leicester City has just said no we're not we've for our own reasons but I think it helps the rest of the Premier League that they didn't allow that that transfer to happen uh, people are piling in on social media um, Onomi says I totally agree with Robbie Savage this is the second time Leicester have treated Mares badly they should understand that he wants to grow and develop himself how much more do Leicester want from him James Lee he says Leicester would have made £64 million profit to stop a player moving to a club miles ahead of them is wrong he will never be the same player for Leicester now they are in the wrong uh, PM Legend said the fault is not with Leicester if Mares wanted to leave City needed to come in for him sooner so they could find a replacement Leicester have a Sanchez situation on their hands, says Leon. And Hegsy says, Leicester fans accept Mahrez will go eventually, just pay his price. You don't go into a car garage and offer 50k for a 100k car because you don't get it. 
How have they treated him badly? They've given him an opportunity to come from nowhere to become a Premier League legend at Leicester City. Say no more. They, they plucked him from nowhere mm -hmm. when nobody wanted him, nobody loved him. And the player now can see an opportunity to get vast riches way beyond his dreams. But somebody would have taken him, behave himself in the right manner. But somebody would have taken him. Interesting. Somebody debate. would have taken him because he's good enough. So if you're good enough, in my opinion... Eventually you... they will. He doesn't need do, to Do you think it. maybe his biggest fear is that he sees that this City thing has come about because of the injury to Sane and he just fears that this might not happen again? Maybe. maybe. No, he, he will believe that he's good enough to yeah. go there and do well. Well, then he has to play, play and he has to play, play well. Instead of uh, uh, Sterling. Yeah. You know, you, you see that miss Sterling had today, maybe he's right. Yeah, but he's been in good form still and you can just judge him on one sitter today. Of course. You know, though, the best way out of this for everybody is for him to come back in the team and play as well as he's always played. It needs to be a compromise between the club and the player. So, no, so the club get him till the end of the season and then the, the player gets yeah. his move. I know it's not about me, as Martin said, but I'm just trying to give people a, a, a perception there. If I hadn't got my move to Blackburn, I could never have been the same at Birmingham under Steve Bruce. Right. You know, not because I'm a, I'm a wrong one, not because I love football, and everybody's a different type of character. I'd have been anxious, nervous. That dream I had yeah. would have... I believe somebody would have stopped me from getting... Even though Birmingham would have been in their right because they thought, just had a new four-year yeah. contract. But it was everything I wanted. And you, you would said you, you refuse to play? Would you have not I wouldn't refuse to play, Steve, you know, but I would just felt in my head that, you know, how can people stop me from getting my dream? Do you know what I mean? It was my last opportunity. And but would you have sort of been happy with a compromise if the club said, look, not now, but maybe I could have gone in the summer, yeah, I'd have been happy with that, yeah. And, and I think sometimes yeah. that is the best solution when you get a Sanchez case or a Coutinho case or a Mahrez case. I, I, I don't think anyone benefits from him staying off work and creating a fight and a yeah. mess because no-one wins from it. I thought it was because it was nearer to home or something, wasn't it? It was, yeah, yeah, unbelievable. <laughs> well, it wasn't, but he was... I think the only other topic of conversation here is, 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 is Manchester City coming in really late with this offer. It almost feels like they thought, do you know what, we're Man City, so we'll offer some money, the player will be so desperate to come and join us, he'll force his way out and we'll get the but player at the to. last minute. They can do they want Man City. Of course they can, but then less, what? So Man City are allowed to offer money for a player late in the window, but Leicester aren't allowed to say no to the player. Yeah, game. yeah, I said they are. Leicester are allowed to turn it down, of course. Yeah, but Man City can bid for anybody they want in the world. Of course they can, but if they'd have bid early, they probably would have got their player because it would have allowed Leicester. Would have left them time to go well, and get a player. Got injured late in the FA Cup. Yeah, but the minute that injury happened, the, the bid should have come in, given them another couple of days. No. Why is it they can bid when they want? I blame Sanchez in all this. Why not? Let's just blame him because if he if he'd have gone to City, none of this would have happened. And it's interesting if they'd have waited another week on this one and that deal wasn't tied up with Sanchez, then they would definitely have gone for him, City, because they're throwing money to get Mares a week, a week later as soon as they lost Sane. Uh, Twitter is still ablaze with people discussing the Leicester conversation we just had. Uh, Mr Hampton, would Kieran and Gerard still disagree with Savage if they were playing at a mid-table club and one of the best teams in the world came for them? It's easy to take the moral high ground when you're playing at Liverpool and Arsenal. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> no one ever came for you, did they? No, it was never going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> it happened more than you think, to be fair. <laughs> Would have happened to you though, wouldn't it? How many times did you turn down a move? Quite a few. There you go. Players can do it, you know, they can turn down. Yeah, but he's playing for Liverpool winning Chapman's Leagues. Yeah, but they wanted more. There was a period they didn't win the Premier League. But he's still playing Chapman's League. He had a chance to go to Chelsea, didn't he? Three or four times. Didn't take yeah, but he's from Liverpool and that's his hometown. Of course, I understand that. Mahrez is different. Mahrez is, but he's a, he's a Leicester man though, isn't he? Mahrez? What about a bit of loyalty from him? I'm saying he's been plucked from obscurity yeah. to do what he did. For Leicester. Where was the loyalty from Leicester Ranieri? Won the league, a miracle. Yeah, he lost his job. Yeah. 
I don't know if that's quite the same parallel. Okay, I'm just saying, loyalty, the loyalty, talk about loyalty in football. This could go on. Yeah, but <laughs> um, a couple of quick ones. Brian Muir says, should release clauses be mandatory like they are in Spain? I missed the what was that? Should, 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 should you make release this, clauses? Yeah, should we just talk? Should you make release clauses <laughs> mandatory like in Spain? Um, it's probably one way to solve it, but then it's argument, you know, some release clauses are not realistic, are they? Yeah. Especially some of the ones you heard in Spain. What was PK's the other day? Five hundred million. Yeah. <laughs> so then it just, it just yeah, it becomes ridiculous. And what about the transfer window unsettling the season for a club? It's another example of the transfer window causing more harm than good. Hundred percent. Can't argue with that. Mm. And when we talk Even about, says it. you know, the, the offer you had from Chelsea, <laughs> you're not, you know, you're you're a one club man. Come to this because it got mentioned. You don't ever look back and think actually a move and to win the Premier League would have been good. Surely you're just like so proud I've to be no a one regrets. club man. No regrets, no regrets at all. No. But you, my, my, this situation is completely different from Mahrez's. Liverpool's my team. Yeah. Um, so. You know, it's completely different. And it's, I think sometimes we don't, we, you know, you underestimate the fact that, you know, we're all English guys in an English country watching the English Premier League. And it's different comparing a local Liverpool lad who stayed at one club his whole career to a player who has already moved countries, he's already playing somewhere else. And you can understand in some ways Mara's wanting the very best for himself. That's what I'm saying. So what, listen, exactly, I totally, that's 100% right. No one's saying that. It's just really, I think it's right and proper for Leicester. If they choose to... To say they've yeah. not met our valuation, then he stays where he is, despite the yes. fact that players shouting and screaming in the background like a small spoiled child. Yep. Don't leave him there. Maybe let him rot there for a little while, but they're not doing that. Puyol's trying to bring him back. No, Leicester have to behave properly as well. Of that course, wouldn't be right for them that. to do and that either. They are doing that, though. Yeah. They're saying that the player's intelligent and he's a good man and they're welcoming him back. Let's hope that happens. Yeah. And maybe he scores a winning goal against Man City later in the season and we can all congratulate him on that. And then well, he gets they, it, they've already played them twice. He, well, they can't. Maybe he can't. You're terrible. Uh, see his face, you like. <laughs> Can we move on, Jim? T- is this Leicester City show we're talking about here or what? <laughs> we're just had a close up of Martin's face, that's all. <laughs> just dropped. Uh... <sighs> well, today's results, that's what we're doing, right? Have a... Play them next week. <laughs> Play them next week, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> they do. Play them next Saturday. Yeah. Right, let's have a. You know, Jake. <laughs> Let's have a look then at today's results. Um, it's been, I suppose, when we looked down there, it was a really crucial day today, not just for uh, Swansea, who picked up yet another point in their battle against relegation, but also Southampton as well. Um, it was a key day down the bottom. Let's just show you the way the table looks then. Manchester City, obviously, um, having their lead cut a little bit by United. But let's go to the bottom, because that's, that's the sort of real talking point today. Um, Swansea have made it out of the bottom three. Um, a really key day for Southampton as well. Um, let's just hear from a couple of fans of clubs towards the bottom and then we'll talk about how that table looks and who you think is going to go down. Have a listen to uh, a couple of fans from um, Saints and West Brom. Oh my word, I just feel absolutely exhausted from total despair in the first half to sheer kind of elation and surprise. Um, Then letting West Brom back in it when we thought that, uh, you know, when we thought we'd kind of got away with it and gone ahead 3-1. Oh, to absolute relief. My word, we needed those three points today. What a win. So important for our survival. We lost 3-2. Uh, that was pretty much a must-win game for us in the relegation battle. We need to start picking up points. I don't know what we're going to do, to be honest. We're starting to get cut adrift from the rest of the relegation candidates. So 
We'll have to see, but pretty much resigned to possibly going down now, so we'll have to see. Well, it sounds like Natalie's already admitting defeat in the battle against the drop. Let's have a look then at how the table looks, and we'll leave this up here so you can all absorb this and work out how you feel at the moment. Um, West Brom, how much trouble are they in, do you think, Martin? They've got Chelsea away next. In all sorts of trouble. But I've sat here and said that Swansea were surely down. Yeah. And we also said Palace were down, well, do you remember? Well, when he took over, was five points adrift. So take a look at that. But the, since, since he's been there, the new manager, nothing's really improved for them. Uh, I fear for West Bromwich Jams. It was a massive game for them today. Didn't get the result they mm. wanted. Uh, you have to say they're, they're clear candidates to go down now. But the teams that have been relegated at Bournemouth, uh, sorry, the teams that came came up, came up this yeah. summer, if you look at them, the way that they're starting to fall down the table, and I think that's a concern as well. But, you know, who's going to get out of trouble there now? Stoke now falling into the bottom three, Swansea coming out of it, Newcastle looking over their shoulders, Palace again, um, you know, big games coming up for them. So it's all to play for. And it might say a little bit about the, the difference between the quality at the top of the table and at the bottom, but there's a, it's a massive fight for survival now. Who are you most worried about? I mean, we kind of covered Huddersfield together a few days ago. I think they've all got to be worried, Jake, but I think what's going on at Newcastle, it doesn't seem too healthy up there mm. with the manager and the owners. Um, Slamani has to settle quickly and get them some goals to try and keep them up, but if I was a Newcastle fan, I'd be concerned. West Brom, of course. Um, mm. After a good performance at Liverpool, it seems they've gone back to square one again. But yeah. we have, as Martin's already pointed out, we've already at times written off Swansea for being bottom this season. Palace were written off after six games when I, they I were rock bottom. I just think at this stage, you, you look, have teams got a little bit of momentum or something going yeah. for them? Huddersfield, I've, I've watched them quite a lot lately. They've got nothing. They, they, they'd hit the wall, haven't they? They'd be my favourites to go. Right. Um, you know, you look at West Brom, yeah, they've just got Sturridge in. He'd have to score a run of goals and... You know, it would have to be a miracle to get them out of trouble. Um, but they should all be concerned because the gap's so small to 11th. Well, it's seven points. Mm. I mean, every one of them is in trouble. It's every a couple of wins and it looks concerned. very different all of, of a sudden for West Brom, doesn't it? But it's where those wins come from. Look at Bournemouth. Look at the couple of wins they've gone. Yeah. yeah. They've gone out of the bottom half of the table. Mm -hmm. All the managers on that page will be concerned. Mm. Bournemouth beat Arsenal, Chelsea, and then again to... The one thing you would say about West Brom, never bottom of the table under Tony Pulis. But the fans saying they were bored, it was dull to watch. Mm. Yet they brought a manager in. OK, they're playing better. Went to Anfield and scored three in the FA Cup. Scored two today. They're more attractive on the eye. But the bottom of the table, four points adrift. So what do the fans want? Attractive football, but yeah, we might go down. Or stability in terms of maybe nicking games 1-0 from a set piece and staying in the Premier League. It's, a, it's the balance. But some fans yeah. would rather put nice football and go down. I, I think you're, nonsense. when you're down there, everyone will be looking at everybody else's fixtures. And, and you know, the, if somebody else now starts to, I don't mean you can live, you sleep well if you're down there at the moment as a, as a professional. I've been relegated at Aston Villa. You're looking at the fixtures, everybody else's, even Watford, mm. they're in free fall. And, if, and I'd be thinking to myself, well, look, if we can be better than Watford, we can get out of trouble here. So no one should be giving up. No one should be panicking. Um, but I think West Brom go, they, they go home tonight thinking, hold on, we've missed a massive opportunity today. So taking into account, not just the points they've got on the board as well, uh, but the form they're in at the moment, um, you know, the fixtures they've got to come, who do you look at at the moment there? Who are the three teams that concern each of you the most, starting with you, Stephen? Who, who would you be most worried about at the, at the moment? Huddersfield, Stoke and Newcastle. Why Stoke? You don't think Paul Lambert they're going to get a bounce on I like Lambert. Paul Lambert, um, and he's had a bit of a, a boost since he's come in. Um, but I, I, I don't know, I've just got a bad feeling for them this year. You, you think West Brom will get out of it then, do you? 
Um, I think with Sturridge coming in, I think I think they've got goals in the team to put a couple of wins together. Yeah. I like Rodriguez, I like Sturridge, I like Rondon. Um, yet they've got a couple of injuries that they picked up at Anfield, but if they get them fit and available, I think they could string a few wins together to push. Rob? Um, West Brom, because before Alan Pardew got the job, let's not forget, he only won six games in the calendar year at Crystal Palace. So can he get enough wins? We've only, West Brom only won three this season. Mm-hmm. West Brom, Huddersfield definitely, myself and Stephen were at the game against Liverpool tonight. They were woeful, got nothing going forward. Okay. Um, and I would say... Watford, I mean, Watford, yeah, uh, yeah Watford. So it feels like they're so far out of it, but that's a win. It's one yeah. win, and they're right back in it. Martin? Well, I think, I don't know, is the easy answer. Yeah. It's, I've never seen it like this before. Um, I, st- I do feel Huddersfield. You've still got to the pick three. You've still got to pick three, yeah. Well, I will do then. I'll go with two of the teams that have come up, Newcastle yeah. and Huddersfield, and... And I think maybe um, Southampton might And so you as well, you think maybe West Brom might... Southampton, that's their first win today in 13 matches, Southampton, and that's quite remarkable. I I think they might drop back into their poor form again. Martin's right there when he says he's never seen it like that before. I mean, you just pause for a moment. I mean, that is... It is incredible. 27 points Watford, 24 Huddersfield, three separating all those sides. Right, our final part of this evening, it comes in the wake of Craig Levine, Hearts manager, saying that players need protecting from the Celtic captain, Scott Brown. So we got thinking, favourite hard men in football, are they as popular as they once were? What's the future for them? Lots to talk about. First of all, let's hear from you. Okay, so if you're looking at a club hard man for West Brom, I don't think you can look much past Claudio Jacob. Uh, I know a lot of people would have seen James McLean. I don't think he's particularly hard, man. I just think he can't really tackle very well. There can be no other uh, than the chap who uh, ended his career at Swansea, um, former Liverpool hard man, Tommy Smith, uh, the man that Bill Shankly said wasn't born, he was quarried. Look no further than Big Duncan Ferguson, the icon, the legend. Eight red cards to his name says everything you need to know about being a hard man. Just ask Freddie Bobic or uh, Stefan Freund or Herman Herideson to name but a few. Newcastle to check to you. What a man, what a competitor he was. Took one for the team, got booked almost every game. We're going flying in. You know, he scored absolutely worldy against Arsenal when we were 4-0 down, we came back to, to draw. He is well remembered on Tyneside in our hearts and God rest his soul. Arsenal, don't make me laugh. We don't have one. The closest we've got to a hard man is Xhaka and he's terrible and keeps getting himself sent off. Oh, for the days of Keown, Adams, Bold. Southampton hard man, I'm going to go for Franny Benali. Uh, back in the 90s, if you went anywhere near Letizia, um, you could guarantee that Franny Benali was going to come and sort you out. <laughs> the days of Keown, Adams and Bold. Did you feel like hard men? No, no, no not at all. When I, I mean, Listen, I played in the early 80s and some of the guys back then were just... I mean, I played against Billy Whitehurst and it was just almost criminal some of the challenges really? that you saw he was tough it was, though it was a tough Come it was on. a different game he was tough he used yeah. to wear red puma in the England training with studs in like that <laughs> and you'd come off <laughs> and you'd be like Matt I thought we were mates we've got a game on Saturday you used to have stud marks all over the place well, right. he, he used to bad. play in training like he did in the games oh, yeah. so he didn't even know he was tough I remember uh, when he first got into the Liverpool first team, he just he wasn't a respecter of reputations. And Arthur Cox said to me there was a tackle between you two, and I thought the ball had a, a headache afterwards because he did put the tackles in. Why he did could you, take did, it as well. Did you have a reputation, did you? Uh, not really. I just wanted to win the ball. <laughs> but, you know, you think of, like, over the years, the players that you... The ones you respect most, the ones who get up 
after the challenge. And I think Mark Hughes, mm. I played against him at 19 and I was still knocking lumps out of him at 36, 37. I don't know how many battles we may have had over the years. No complaints, got on with his job. And I thoroughly enjoyed that. Take us inside a battle between you and Mark Hughes out on the pitch. What was it? What did it feel like from your perspective? Well, it was a sort of territory thing. He was trying to, he, he protected the ball as well as anybody. And so the battle started long before the ball was delivered because you knew there was a point on the ground where you need to be, take charge of it. So there was a lot of wrestling, um, <laughs> a lot of fighting, a lot of scrapping. You know, each one of us would have their little pop through the game and then a handshake at the end of it. And that was good enough for me. There's a question that's come in here um, for you, actually, Stephen, uh, from C. Joe says, uh, Jake, being a Liverpool fan, I'd love to know who Stevie G considers as the hardest teammate he shared the Liverpool dressing with. My guess, Pepe Reina, is what they say. Before we get the answer from you, what would you consider a hard teammate? Uh, lot, lots of different things, really. Played with Suarez, he never went in the treatment room. Played on with injuries, used to get kicked all over the pitch. He'd have bruises all over the place, but he'd be robust and available for every game. That's tough for me. Mm. Jamie Carragher, very robust, mentally strong, tough, get kicked, he's up, he'd kick people. There's all different ways to be tough as a footballer. Yeah. Um, and I think some of the ones that look tough and bounce around the football pitch, acting tough, are probably the ones that are not. Um, and I think where this come from, Scott Brown, I've played against Scott Brown and he's a tough competitor, a really good player and I think it's a bit out of order, like sort of saying he's not fair, if you like, especially the career he's had. Mm. So, um, and I, it all comes down to him uh, going in tough on a, on a young kid who, who plays for Hearts and I think that's the game and, and for me too much of it's going out of the game, I think you should be competitive but as long as it's fair. It feels like there was a time when you could name for almost every team a sort of an enforcer or someone who would set the tone for that team but we talk a lot now in these studios about a lack of leaders don't we in the Premier League. Do you, do you agree with Stephen that maybe it's changed? My artist opponent, not in terms of was, was Stevie, I, I've said it many a time that not only if he was a 50-50, you knew he was coming, sprinting towards you and he was going to go in fair and try and clatter you in the ball. He'd run past you, you know, to score a goal. He'd, he'd, he'd go and get the ball off the back four. So in terms of tough, because he was tough, but the hardest opponent I've ever had in the Premier League and I played against Vieira, Keane, you know, some, some of the greats. Yeah. And he was, he was by far and away the best. But, but they, they were all tough, you know, and you play against Leicester, you'd have him and, and, and Lennon and, and everyone's tough in different ways. Do you understand what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, I do, yeah. People bring different things. For example, you could play against Frank Lampard and he'd be tough because he'd be relentless yeah. running into the yeah. box the time. You it's play not against, just about putting in a hard tackle. You play against Joey Barton and Joey Barton would want to cut you in half. So there's different when ways. You played, when you played at Wimbledon. There's different ways of being tough. You played at Wimbledon and you'd stand in the tunnel and you'd be outside the Wimbledon dressing room and Vinnie Jones is headbutting the, the toilet door. <laughs> and, and, you know, I've got Manny Petit in front of me with Patrick Vieira and they're... Martin, what is this? <laughs> and I've said, well, yeah. the, it's a he's hard? OK, I show him. I kill him. If I, and I, you know when you go out on the pitch yeah. with people like that, that See, you're going to win some games of football. They weren't frightened of anything. J Jerry, Jerry Taggart was tough. You know, my own teammate, he clipped me around the head just before half-time. You know, and he said, see you, see you at the dressing room half-time. Yeah, so <laughs> I, give, I, give, I, give the, I give the ball away. And right, he clipped okay. me, and I went, I went into the chain room, and Martin O'Neill thought I was going to have a go at Jerry, and he did. He said, I told you, Jerry, don't give the ball to Sav. So right? basically, he was a double whammy. Not only got a clip, not only got a clip off Jerry Tag, oh, and the dear. manager was hammering me, saying, don't pass the ball to me. Amazing. <laughs> anyway. And the stand's echoing that sentiment.
Thanks for listening to the Premier League Tonight podcast. There will be no podcast next week, but be sure to join us from 11.30 on Saturday as Arsenal travel to Wembley to face Spurs live on BT Sport 1 and 4K Ultra HD. And on Sunday, watch Huddersfield host Bournemouth at the John Smith Stadium, also on BT Sport 1 and 4K Ultra HD. If you enjoyed this week's show, please subscribe and leave a five-star review. Bye-bye.